You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Saints. I am Taylor Kemp, the Director of Formed, and with me today is Dr. John Seahorn. Dr. Seahorn, it's good to see you. Good to see you too, Taylor. I'm glad you're here. Today, we are talking about a great saint, St. Louis-Marie Grignon de Montfort. Did nope. I say that right? I, French, it, mm. B plus. That's pretty good. I would have thought, good. I thought I was going to see that. You have to, you have to pinch your lips together. I'm, I'm a, serious. It's like, do you ever play a horn like trumpet I or anything? Uh, well, if you don't have soccer. any embouchure, you can't do it. Yeah. Soccer? It didn't do it for the Why? lips. I'm not a linguist. Okay. I didn't, let's let's talk about St. Louis. All right, let's talk right? about him. Okay, let's talk about him. Okay. So Dr. Seahorn, where should we begin uh, when it comes to St. Louis de Montfort? We'll start at the very beginning. That's a, lo- a good very place. good place to start. Very good place to start. Okay. So, yeah, good. Um, so St. Louis was born in 1673. Mm-hmm. There's actually a lot that we could say about kind of his context. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of keep it uh, simple for now. But um, a couple things that I think that I find really interesting that were going on. One is um, St. Louis was born at a time uh, of the kind of flourishing of um, what's known as the French school of spirituality. Okay. Okay. And there's a lot that we could say about that. Maybe all I'll say right now is just that the, the French school really emphasized a deep um, kind of entrance into the life of Jesus. That's okay? awesome. It, it is. It's really awesome. There, there was this profound emphasis on intimacy with Jesus in his mysteries, in the mysteries of his life. In mm-hmm. fact, um, uh, you can even see kind of the influence of this in the Catechism of the Catholic Church when it talks about how Christ continues to live the mysteries of his life in us, in the members of his body. Again, there's a lot more we could say about the French school, but I, I think that's a good place mm-hmm. to start. The other thing that, at least for me, is, as you know, um, much of my uh, study was in the fathers of the church mm-hmm. and especially the, the Eastern fathers of the church. Well, around this time, um, a lot of the Greek fathers... Uh, their writings were being translated uh, hmm. in in France and becoming available even in French. Like usually little excerpts, little mm-hmm. lines would be kind of anthologized and you'd have mm-hmm. these beautiful lines from um, Byzantine saints that might not be that familiar to all of us, hmm. like St. Germanus of Constantinople, hmm. uh, St. John of Damascus, St. Andrew of Crete. Um, and that's important, especially uh, in, in the context of St. Louis because of some of the things that those Byzantine uh, bishops and, and priests and preachers had to say about Mary. Interesting. Okay, yeah. so this is all going to, in his later life, this will inform his thinking. Yeah, even, even his, his education. Yeah, his education. for sure. So um, before, so, I wanna, before oh yeah, we get ahead. to education. Well, no, I was going to tell you about you were gonna tell his me. childhood. I'm ready. His childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I got ahead, but I just want to kind of make nope. that backdrop. And um, yeah, so St. Louis was born in, um, in Western France, in Brittany, kind of okay. north, northwestern France. Mm-hmm. And in 1673, as I said, he, I think he was actually the second child born to his parents, but his elder sibling, I can't remember if it was a brother or sister, died at like mm-hmm. just a few months. So he grew up as the oldest of a huge family. I think, I think in all there were 18 children, although... Wow. Almost half of them died in in childhood, oh, man. right? So yeah, yeah really tough. Um, good Christian family, mm-hmm. um, but you know, like most Christian families, some problems. I think it sounds like his father was um, was a serious believer. Was you know re- really did believe the gospel. Was serious about his faith, um, but at least um, from Louis's point of view, I think was was a little too focused on um, kind of worldly concerns, trying okay. to. 
you know, advance himself, make money, things like that. And even, you know, we might think about the conflicts that are so famous between uh, St. Francis of Assisi mm -hmm. and his father, mm -hmm. Pietro, right? Yes. Um, and and it, it's, it's good because it's easy in retrospect to be like, well, obviously the saint was right. Yeah. But at the time you're like, I don't know, it's like a dad who's just trying to make his way. Yeah. Right. And so there's... Stop selling my stuff. The, like, totally. My right. Fabric, yeah. yeah. And um, anyway, I, I just mentioned that because I do think that that was part of... Um, kind of the, the personal background for some of the, the, the characteristic things about St. Louis uh, later in his life. His, you're saying his father's, what he viewed as his father's attachment to, to worldly goods. Yeah, and, and maybe I'll, I'll go ahead and say this now because it, it plays into his education, right? So, um, I mean, Louis goes at, I think, the age of 12 mm -hmm. uh, to study at a Jesuit-run school. The, the parish okay. priest there actually was his uncle. Oh. Uh, his mother had, I think, three brothers who were priests. Mm -hmm. He ended up with a couple brothers who were priests and two two sisters who became nuns. Okay. Right? So, again, this is a, this is a really devout family. Yep. Um, what he quickly finds when he goes there is he's always kind of, he's kind of the weird kid hmm. who just wants to go to the chapel and pray, who is, his eyes are downcast. He doesn't care about clothes. He doesn't care about kind of um, hmm. worldly achievements. And that can be hard yeah, no uh, for a kid. Yep. Um, he, he does discern a call to priesthood and uh, goes to Paris in the early 1690s, it actually takes him a while because he, he doesn't have um, the, kind of the funds that he needs. Okay. Uh, but he eventually studies in the seminary um, of Saint-Sulpice. So this is the home of the Sulpicians, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually um, an order that was only at this point about 50 years old okay. and had been founded by one of the key figures in this French school I was talking about. Okay. Okay. So you can see there's these different influences, Jesuit, mm -hmm. uh, Sulpician, and he's kind of, Louis is kind of this eclectic guy. He takes it all in, mm -hmm. but he's he's such a man of, uh, of deep prayer mm -hmm. that he's sort of, he has his own personal sense synthesis of these. In some ways, it's um, it's almost like, mm. you know, if this isn't too florid of an image, it's like going out and, and he's, he's picking these flowers from anywhere he finds them. And, and anything he finds beautiful, he sort of tries to synthesize. But again, he, he's never that comfortable in kind of high society settings. He's never comfortable around uh, people with money. He himself has um, this detachment to almost an aversion uh, to worldly things. Like he's always, and he gets himself in trouble all the time for this. He's always giving everything away, right? Just like we were talking about with mm -hmm. St. Francis um, and, and his father. But he had, he had this profound comfort among the poor, uh, among the sick, among the downtrodden, um, not just because uh, he sort of knew he should as a Christian, mm -hmm. but because he seems to have had this really deep spiritual vision that allowed him truly to see Christ in the poor. And that's where he was happiness, happiest because that's that's when he was with with Jesus. I mean, honestly, as you're talking, he he would make a great spokesman for the church. Like he's kind of representing what the church is supposed to do: yeah. go out and see all the things, take in the best, yeah. retain it, and integrate it within oneself, and then be totally at home amongst the poor and reject the world. Like he is. <laughs> yeah, and and you know that's that that in a way is kind of is kind of what happened. Um, you know, Louis Louis was ordained in 1700. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he has a he has an he has a couple assignments that um, don't go so well. Okay. And he's he's kind of he wants to be a missionary, right? He yeah. just he desperately wants. He'll talk about this a lot. I want to make Jesus and Mary known and loved. I want to I want to work for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. I want people to understand how all encompassing the truth and the goodness of God is. That's why I have here with me. Um, 
It's a, an English collection of his writings. And okay. the title that was chosen by the compilers is God Alone, mm. which is how he would often sort of sign off his letters, mm. right? Just Dusu, just God Alone. That's, that's all that matters in the end. And he couldn't understand how anybody could see the world otherwise. So this sort of gets back actually just to, to go back to yeah. what we were talking about with his father. He talks about this a lot. I find it really challenging in his writings. He yeah. talks about different kind of false wisdoms, right? There's like satanic wisdom, like the kind of wisdom mm -hmm. of the evil one that he tries to fool us with. But he often talks about these sort of very subtle kinds of worldly wisdom. Like, well, I want to be, I want to be, um, I want to be a devout man, but not too pious. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want people to think I'm weird. Yeah, just holding back. Right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to find ways to look like I'm being modest, but actually to mm -hmm. promote myself. Yes. Right. And, um, and that's why in, in the spirituality he promotes, uh, and, and you may know this, a, a really important component of it is first trying to understand the spirit of the world mm -hmm. and then seeking a deeper knowledge of yourself, asking God for the grace of a deep mm -hmm. knowledge of yourself in order to recognize all of these subtle ways that the spirit of the world, the, the false wisdom of the world has infected us. It's the, you know, I always think about the Beatitudes, um, blessed are the poor in spirit for there's the kingdom of heaven, but which is really a call to humility in many mm -hmm. respects. And, and many of the saints talk about the door to the spiritual life is humility, which essentially humility is, is, is often some type of professed ignorance of, um, I don't know myself as well as I think I, I, I'm impacted by the world more than I think. And, um, I am less given over to God than perhaps I feel like, yeah. and in him, there is like kind of what you were just saying, the world affects us. Yeah, Full for stop. sure. And, and we are fools if we don't think that's the truth. You know, it's funny. I was, I was just thinking this morning, Taylor, about, um, in, to go to the, the other end of the Sermon yeah. on the Mount, right? Yeah. That's in chapter five of Matthew's mm -hmm. gospel in chapter seven, I think it's verses 13 and 14. Mm -hmm. There's the famous line where, uh, Jesus says, um, uh, enter by the narrow gate. Mm -hmm. For the gate is narrow and the way is broad that leads mm -hmm. to destruction, and there are many who enter it, mm -hmm. right? And then he does kind of the reverse. Mm -hmm. He says, for the, the, the gate is narrow mm -hmm. and the way is hard. Mm -hmm. Or sorry, I said the way is broad. The, the way is yes. easy that leads to destruction. Yep. And then the way is hard that leads to life. Mm -hmm. And he says, those who find it are few. That's now notice it's, never caught that, it's yeah. those who enter it are many, and then even those who find it, which suggests that there are some who find it who, who still don't who, enter it. Interesting. I've never caught that. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of like the cliche, you can lead a horse to water, yes. but you can't make it drink. And and I think wow. that's what Louis says, that even those of us who have been led to the water of life, who've been baptized uh -huh. and, and who know the truth, uh -huh. nonetheless make these compromises. We don't want to enter it, right? In, in Luke's version of, mm. of that same saying, it's in Luke chapter 12, it's Jesus's wording there is interesting. He just says, he puts it in the imperative, it's a command strive to enter by the narrow gate because it's the only thing that matters. And that's what St. Louis was hmm. all about. So anyway, I said he, he's looking for a mission, right? Yes. He's, he's trying to find his groove yeah, as wants, a priest, He right? wants to give himself. Yep. So badly. So in 1706, he makes mm -hmm. a pilgrimage to Rome and it's a little quixotic, um, but it, it also reminds me of um, the sort of little flower mm -hmm. meeting, uh, uh, Leo. meeting Leo the 13th, yep. right? So Pope Clement the 11th was, was, um, was the Pope at the time. And, and uh, Louis sort of like threw himself on the ground. He was like, send me anywhere. <laughs> Please. And Clement said, go back to France. Mm. There's so much to do in France. And he said, but he, he blessed him and he, he, um, he actually appointed him as a missionary apostolic. It's sort of similar actually to how Pope Francis has uh, identified 
uh, some people, including our chaplain here at the AI, mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. a missionary of mercy, right? Mm -hmm. So he had this papal mandate to go, and he spent the rest of his life, which was only 10 years. Oh, but wow. it's amazing what he did in 10 years. He went back to his native region, mm -hmm. and he just gave parish mission after parish mission after parish mission. And and this, Taylor, is why I think that St. Louis is, is just a tremendous, a tremendous model for the new evangelization. Mm -hmm. Because you think about, well, what are people like in Western France in these little hamlets and villages and towns that he goes to? Well... They're a lot like a lot of people that we might know in our parishes. They're they're baptized, mm -hmm. you know. They've received their sacraments, um, you know. They're 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 basically in the church, mm -hmm. but there's no zeal. There's no mm -hmm. there's no real deep reception of the graces, of the sacraments, of the mm -hmm. vocation of the of the baptized. Leo um, anticipated, sorry, Leo Louis mm -hmm. anticipated the Second Vatican Council and its clarion call to the universal vocation to holiness, mm. right? So, um, okay, I wasn't going to pull this open, but maybe I will really quick. I like if, it. If I can find it. In, in one of Louis's works, it's called The Secret of Mary. Uh, early on, it's in, um, it's in paragraph three. He says this, chosen soul, living image of God, and redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, already the way he invites us to think about who we are. Mm -hmm. We are living images of God who've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. God wants you, whoever you are, mm -hmm. to become holy like him in this life and glorious like him in the next. Mm -hmm. And then he says this, it is certain that growth in the holiness of God is your vocation. All your thoughts, words, actions, everything you suffer or undertake must lead you towards that end. Otherwise, you're resisting God in not doing the work for which he created you and for which he is even now keeping you in being, right? This is the purpose of your existence. Mm -hmm. And then I love this line. What a marvelous transformation is possible. Dust into light, uncleanness into purity, sinfulness into holiness, and ready for this, creature into creator. Man into God, right? That we're invited to share in God's own life. Mm -hmm. This was the center mm -hmm. of of Saint Louis's apostolic uh, ministry as a priest, going around and preaching these missions, right? So, really, the way to think about his his um, his ministry is an invitation for Christians to own their baptism, because everything he says there is rooted in our baptism, in yeah, the vows right. that Identity we make or our God. godparents make. In our baptism, right, where we are reborn in, as sons and daughters of the Father and are given this vocation to be like God in holiness in this life and to share in his glory in the next. Yeah, that is that is beautiful. It is stirring. And, you know, I feel like as someone who was brought up uh, or who came into the faith after the Second Vatican Council, you take it as a given, mm -hmm. this universal call of holiness. I remember just being told that a lot, but that was not, that has not always been the resounding call. That has been the true uh, call of the Gospels and, and of Christ, but it has not always been presented as such. So, I mean, those... Oh, yeah, and, and, and he talks a lot about the pe the resistance he would get, right? People Man. who were like, oh, don't worry, you know, God's yeah. merciful, he'll let me have a good confession making on my deathbed. With making compromises. Making compromises. Like, you're out of control. Yeah. You're out of control, man. man. But he would say, really, like, what else could possibly matter? What else matters? And how yeah. it's amazing to me that, you know, you, you hear these words and they, they're so stirring and you're like, yes, that like that is what my life is going to be about. And then it's it's so easy to go on with our lives, go on with our day, and you can lose that center. Absolutely. And just be like, I, I am I, my reason for existence is holiness. Well, okay, Union with God. 
God. And St. Louis had an answer to this. Okay. okay. And this was his secret. I, the, the, yep. the text I just read to you from is called The Secret of Mary. Okay. Right? Now, we haven't really talked much about his Marian devotion until now, even yes. though that might seem strange to some of you because mm-hmm. it really is what he's still best known for, mm-hmm. right? Uh, his best known work, even though I don't think it's his most important, is um, a treatise on true devotion to the Blessed mm-hmm. Virgin Mary. Uh, he's known for promoting this devotion of total consecration to Jesus through Mary, mm-hmm. right? Um, and this kind of total dependence. And even he would use language of slavery, of making ourselves mm-hmm. slaves to Mary. Obviously difficult language to you, but it's, it's also language that is found in the New Testament, mm-hmm. right? Paul often talks about himself as a slave of Christ. In other words, one whose entire existence belongs to another, mm-hmm. right? So, and I just think it's important. We don't have to talk a lot about the, the concept of holy slavery, but it's very clear when you read St. Louis um, right, that when he uses this language, which we may not always want to use today for understandable yeah. reasons, but that for him, this is actually the key to true freedom, to okay. true holiness, to, to true happiness. Say a little bit more about that. So how how does enslaving oneself to Mary mm-hmm. lead to freedom, lead to holiness? Yeah, okay, that's good. Um, so first of all, why the prominence of Mary in particular? Mm-hmm. Um Really, it's because for, for Louis, it's because precisely of the centrality of Jesus. Mm-hmm. The, the very heart of Louis' spirituality is the cross of the incarnate word, of incarnate wisdom, mm-hmm. right? So let's take those apart, right? So first of all, divine wisdom, mm-hmm. right? Sort of working backward, the one who from eternity is perfectly united to the Father, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the one uh, through whom we were made, right? The one in whose image we've been made but who in order to rescue us became incarnate, mm-hmm. right? And became incarnate and obedient even to the point of death on a cross, right? So all of these things, it's its one mystery to him. And how did that come about? Mm-hmm. It came about in God's providence through Mary, mm-hmm. right? And so for St. Louis, the humblest thing to do for those who are poor in spirit mm-hmm. is not to find our own path, to intimacy mm-hmm. with God, but to receive the path by which Christ came to us, which is through Mary. That's pretty good. Right? Now, sometimes people think of, um, of this devotion to Mary as possibly almost like coming between us right. and Christ, right? He'll even say, and he echoes St. Bernard of Clairvaux and others mm-hmm. when he says this, that Christ is our mediator with the Father, mm-hmm. but Mary's our mediatrix mm-hmm. with Christ. And you can think, oh, well, okay, so there's me and then Jesus and then God, but I'm not good enough to get to Jesus yeah, or maybe so he's too yeah, stern. So, okay, this is, we could talk about this for a long time, but here's the basic point that I think is crucial. Mm-hmm. If you think that way, it's actually because you already misunderstand the mediation of Jesus. Mm, okay. When we say that Jesus is our mediator, mm-hmm. we don't say that he comes between us and God so that we have this sort of like chain that yes. links us to God. Yep. The way Jesus is the mediator between God and man is by sharing with us his own intimacy with the Father. Mm. So when when the saints talk about mediation, they're not talking about a go-between. Mm-hmm. They're talking about this incredible dynamic where through Christ we have access to the Father. Mm-hmm. We share in his own sonship. So if you think about Christ's mediation that way, what happens when we talk about Mary as the mediatrix with the mediator? Now she's the one who shares with us her own intimacy she, with her son, yeah, her it's unique a, it's a intimacy with her son. Yeah, it's a mediation of communion. Like it's... it's That's yeah, really it's well said. it's not like links in a chain. Friends, he was my student. I That's just right. want to acknowledge that. If you that, too, was, that was very well said. <laughs> thank you very much. Yes. You t- the uh, Augustine Institute Graduate School of Theology does fine work. 
Well, thank you. That <laughs> yes. was that was, no. That's really well said. It's a yep. mediation of communion. Yeah, but a yeah. sharing, and this is the story of the prodigal son. Son, all that I have is yours. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and that exactly the the mediation of Mary. You know, I, I can't remember exactly what the book is. I think it was by uh, Louis Martinez, Only Jesus. Mm-hmm. But he says that Louis Martinez. Yeah. Yeah. When we go to Mary, we are able to have her eyes to look yeah. at her son as she. We can love with her heart, and yeah. and who would love Jesus Christ more than his own mother? Yeah, and it's, and, and that like you know, yeah, we share Christ's mediation opens up his own relationship with the Father. Yeah, that's and exactly similarly, right. where then Mary's relationship is that's open that's no, exactly it, right. It really yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, um, uh, it's true that as we as we grow in our in our life as Christians and recognize our sinfulness. We, we can rightly sometimes have this sense of being overwhelmed by the gap between our mm-hmm. sinfulness and our smallness and the holiness and majesty mm-hmm. of the Lord. And what we go to Mary then, not because that's actually the case, but because Mary is the one through whom mm-hmm. Jesus in his gentleness, in his tenderness, in his love and his mercy came close to us. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we don't have time, but I could show you so many passages where Louis, he'll even like sort of speak in the voice of Jesus and say, mm-hmm. what else do I have to do to get you to come to me? Mm-hmm. I am meek and lowly of heart, like mm-hmm. he says in, in Matthew 11, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so Mary is a token of the gentleness of Jesus, not a replacement for the gentleness Gosh, And then of that Jesus. changes the way that you look at Mary at the foot of the cross when Jesus gives her to the beloved disciple. It's like, this is yeah. my gift to you. And you know you. What's, what's stunning, right? Yeah, behold your son, behold your mm-hmm. mother. What's stunning is Louis actually only rarely mentions that passage. That is surprising. Not because he thinks it's unimportant, yeah. but because he always likes to focus on how that was already virtu- like sort of virtually present mm-hmm. at the Annunciation. That when Mary said yes to being the mother of Jesus, she said yes to his mission. And his mission was to unite us to himself and bring us to the Father. And so by saying yes to being the mother of Jesus, mm-hmm. she had already, even though she couldn't understand this fully, had already said yes to being the mother of all of his father, uh, all of his followers. And that resounds perfectly with in John chapter two, the wedding feast at Cana. Totally. But, you know, yeah. the, the last recorded words that we have of Mary are do whatever he tells you. Yeah. And that that's like her, that that is her resounding message. Like that's her mission. Do Absolutely whatever he right. tells you. Absolutely just, right. Just go yeah. that. So, well, and so now I can finally answer your question, which is ready. how can this talk of slavery be a, a call to freedom? Well, mm-hmm. because true freedom is found in the, the freedom of the sons of God, right? Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? By being given over entirely mm-hmm. to the Father through Christ. And Mary herself does that perfectly. Mm-hmm. We, we usually translate it, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Mm-hmm. But the Greek word there is slave. Hmm. Behold, I'm the slave of the Lord, right? And so by committing ourselves to her, we commit ourselves also to her fiat, to her being totally given over to the Lord. In fact, there's one passage where uh, Louis says that Mary is like the echo of God and that her Magnificat sort of sums up everything Mary has to say. So when we say Mary, she says God. That is so good. It's like she amplifies our praise of God. All right, so we 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 cannot wrap uh, this so episode. Say, but, we cannot yeah, wrap yeah. this episode without talking about the rosary. We have to do it real quick. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Saint Louis, um, he actually after he'd already been a priest for ten years in seventeen ten, mm-hmm. 
he became um, a third order Dominican. Okay. And he got permission from them to preach the rosary and to start rosary confraternities and so forth. He was absolutely convinced that the rosary is a profound way with and through Mary mm -hmm. to be intimate with Jesus. He would talk about the mysteries of the rosary, mm -hmm. right? That we meditate on as we, as we pray the Hail Marys uh, on these decades as like these 15 pictures that should form the backdrop to our lives, right? That shape our very experience mm -hmm. of, of the world. Um, he also, I, I like to tell this story. He said, you know, um, everyone should be able to pray five decades of the rosary every day <laughs> if you're a child, <laughs> right? Yes, <He actually, laughs> like, that's great for kids, but you know, grownups, now this was of course before St. John Paul II had added the luminous mysteries, yeah. so there were 15 mysteries. <laughs> he thought we should say those uh, every day, but he was also, he was such a great pastor. He would say, but if your state of life doesn't allow it, mm -hmm. right? Don't use that as an excuse not to do the dishes for your yep. wife. Yep. Don't use that as an excuse not to tell your kids a bedtime story. Mm -hmm. But as your state of life allows it, make that a priority, spending that time um, in that intimacy mm -hmm. with Jesus that Mary invites us to and, and shares with us so that Jesus can bring us uh, into, into um, the full stature of the sons and daughters of God. And for... Much of our Christian life, so much of what we have to do is to acquire a, a biblical worldview of looking at things, yeah. a, a Christian worldview. Uh, and it's so helpful to have something like the rosary because you're just trying to walk through the mysteries of Christ's life. Of yeah, and it life. helps you read the Bible. St. Louis actually yeah. also says that, mm -hmm. that the Bible is a love letter. Yeah. Right. He uses that language that others mm -hmm. have used as well. Um, and, and he loved to just collect those words. He carried a New Testament with him everywhere. Mm -hmm. And people would ask, what's your rule of life? And he'd be like, the Gospels. Is, obviously. The Gospels. Yep. Yeah. And it's just very good at getting that into our imagination, into our life, so that we're thinking in recourse to these mysteries. So mm -hmm. it was beautiful. Dr. Seaborn, this was a lot of fun. It's very edifying to talk about the lives of the saints. And I'm grateful for your study and expertise and love of St. Louis de Montfort. So we hope that you benefited as well out there. We will see you next time on Catholic Saints. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, eBooks, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.